Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Adam from Toronto, and I support Creative Control because Vish is full stop one of the best arts interviewers in Canada, or anywhere in the world, really. He approaches every episode like he's known the artist for years, creating a conversational atmosphere that gets straight to the heart of the work. No one else in podcasting gets it quite right like he does, with a mixture of meticulous research, wise artistic insights, and well-humored personal connections. I proudly support Vish and Creative Control on Patreon. You should, too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Spencer Burton is a very talented folk and rock songwriter, musician, and singer based in Ontario, Canada's Niagara region. Earning a loyal fan base and critical acclaim, for his past work in the band Attack in Black and also on his own under the name Grey Kingdom, Burton recently made a wonderful, lushly produced new record under his own name. It's called Coyote. It was released on February 19th, 2021 via Still Records, and it prompted Spencer and I to reconnect for a fascinating conversation about his relationship with the Canadian retailer Byway, his interest in vintage clothing, the reflective nature of the songs he wrote for Coyote and its themes of concentrating on real human connection, the gardening, farming, hunting, and fishing he engages in to feed his family and live off the land, his thoughts on Attack in Black and what his bandmates are up to these days, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, and friendly staff who will happily help you source special orders for hard-to-find titles, which you can learn more about 
at blackbird.ca and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like The Weather Station plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton this is the 619th episode of Creative Control featuring the lovely and talented Spencer Burton with your host me Vish Khanna We've carried struggles but never have owned. You've been my bright light on the darkest of roads. Hey Spencer, how's it going? Good, Vish. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, where in the world are you? Oh, I'm in um, in the southernest region of Niagara, a little town called Ridgeville, Ontario. Oh, okay. Uh, That's yeah. uh, I don't know Ridgeville. Where is that in relation to, say, uh, Buffalo, New York? I'm I'm like half an hour from Buffalo. Oh, I was just throwing a city out there for fun. You're <laughs> you're only you're only thirty minutes from Buffalo. You're in the Niagara yeah. region. Well, 30 minutes from the border and then six hours at the border. <laughs> so that's there's that. When is the last time you tried to cross the border? Uh, you know, given that we're in a pandemic, when's the last time you tried to cross the border? Probably just before the pandemic. And what was your business down in... Were you headed to Buffalo or were you going somewhere else? I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. I have a vague memory of going over there. It was probably just a leisurely trip. Oh, okay. Do you, do you, when I was a kid, because I lived... Uh, in Cambridge, Ontario, and uh, when when I was younger, one of the big deals for my parents was to go to the to Buffalo for the outlet malls, uh, okay, to, to save a bit of money on shoes and chocolate. I don't remember what we bought, but it wasn't it didn't seem essential to me that we were making these trips in retrospect. But did you ever do that? Did you ever go down and get some I mean, deals? I heard, I heard they got great deals on shoes and chocolate over there, but I've never. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not a big shopper. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't. I don't take trips like I don't take shopping trips. I mean, I'll. I like to buy all my stuff secondhand. Mm-hmm. I'm that kind of guy. I find it wasteful to do it any other way. And also, it's there's a little bit more adventure in the in the secondhand purchasing world. Hmm. You, know, you can go. You 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 go in there, and it's it's not like well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to you know whatever i don't know where do people buy clothes walmart i have no clue so I, I, you know it's like I, yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go to walmart and i'm gonna get my shirt and it's gonna be there but when you go buy second hand it's like i don't know what i'm gonna find maybe i'm gonna find like a you know a cool concert shirt from 1978 or maybe i'm you know gonna find a, a blanket i don't know you well know, I, don't, I, like that one. I should point out that everything for sale in buffalo is second hand so oh, is it? yeah it was all you know you know, it was secondhand chocolate and shoes is what my parents were after. And that's why you head down to Buffalo. That's that's I thought that was well known. But you're saying you, clearly, clearly I, you didn't know I, that. I wasn't aware. You know, lots of people always tell me that pre-chewed chocolate is way better. <laughs> I I, known. I've certainly tried to inspire my children to have some pre-chewed chocolate or, or partaken of their pre-chewed chocolate. Yeah, that's just the oh, way, yeah. way it goes. I, I've never I've never asked my kids to do that, but I have definitely partaken in some uh sometimes willing sometimes non-willing pre-chewed everything maybe i'm thinking of the time i was a bird and was feeding my children pre-chewed chocolate that's probably what i was thinking of there but uh, anyway it's nice that other life yeah Yeah. (laughs) another life it is nice to connect i don't remember the last time we we chatted 
in person. It's, it's been a long it's, time. It's been a real long time, man. It's great to hear your voice. Yes, you too. You too. And congratulations on uh, your new album, Coyote, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Uh, it's been out a little while now since uh, uh, now that we're talking. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, Coyote at this point? As much as I love this record, um, and I, you know, I feel very good about the songs on the record. I will say that the release of this record, giving the current climate of the world, uh, is the most anticlimactic record release I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of like releasing something into nothing, and then it also sort of, no, no offense, of course, but I just to follow up on what you're saying. But it, it's like releasing something into nothing, and that also becomes nothing. Is that what you're kind of suggesting? Yeah, I mean you. It's. It, I think you know. In, it, we we're, we've all been alive for as long as we've been alive, and I've been doing music now for probably the the good part of fifteen years. And you know, you put out music, and there's there's a bit of uh, clockwork to it. You know, you put out music, you do the interviews, you go on tour, you meet people, you play the songs. There's there's this uh, this rhythm to everything that uh, repeats itself, but it's a it's a good kind of repeat. And right now giving you know the pandemic and whatnot it's uh you know you put the music out and then you just put the music out yeah and that's it yeah don't you find uh as a, a live performer that you know given what you were just talking about that cycle don't you find as a live performer you learn a lot about the songs by playing them over and over again do you do you have that experience oh absolutely they change i mean as far as i can remember uh, the last time <laughs> i played music the the songs i would play would change almost nightly yeah they would uh you know they take on a whole new form depending on the audience right sometimes it's just like get me in get me out but there's other times where you can really uh you know vibe on the people around you and uh, because of that you know songs change and sometimes you're like oh i didn't like that change or i I, that change is amazing i can't believe i never thought of it before it's but that doesn't really happen i just i've been playing the same songs for the same three people my my wife and two kids and i you know for for a full year now and the only uh feedback i get at this point is dad you dad can you please stop playing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah the repetition is that doesn't sound fair to your family frankly you guys want to hear those songs again no no dad i don't please (laughs) so yeah i i I want to ask about your family life and your home dynamic because uh, i forgot to ask you for permission for this but i started following you on instagram a long time ago uh sorry Without my permission? I forgot to ask. I, I usually would ask you. I know you're prickly. I know you're like, Vish, yeah. I followed yeah. you down the street once, and it was not a good experience for either of us, I think, in the end. So, no, I was probably climbing up an escape ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from building to building. It was, yeah. yeah, you turned into Spider-Man. It was odd. Yeah. But my thing here uh, is that I, I do follow you on Instagram, and you seem to uh, have become uh, very agricultural. Uh, I don't know if that's actually something that you can become as a human being, but... <laughs> is that is that fair to say you've become you've become something of a farmer? Is that is that I mean that might is that too lofty? Do you feel like a farmer? I I don't you know I have I would like to say that I have become somewhat of a farmer, but I have met so many farmers now that I live in this kind of uh, agricultural community of Ridgeville where there are a lot of farmers, and I think that I might be the farthest thing from it. There's the 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 farmers I've met work so hard and they work non-stop all the time yeah. every day of the year and it's just it seems grueling I, I mean i do like to get my hands in the soil i do my best to 
to grow uh, as much as of my family's own food as we can. You know, we sell some at the end of the driveway if there's excess. We give some away, but we, you know, we're raising livestock. We're growing fruits and vegetables. We're doing all that, but it's it's definitely a labor of love, and it's it's not uh, it's I, I don't know maybe it's growing not farming. I guess it's um, yeah. Farmers just I, I look at them in awe the way they just they know so much about their their one crop it's yeah. like you, you could sit there and talk with an apple farmer for weeks on end about apples and he'll just continually feed you knowledge and stories about you know how hard it is and it's uh it's definitely inspiring but i yeah i don't know if i'm a farmer i'm just a, a guy that grows stuff yeah the distinction you're making is that for some of us who don't live in rural communities if we were to uh, you know, plant some seeds, uh, deal with stuff. We would be gardeners almost. You know, I'm planting tomatoes. I'm I'm planting carrots, those sorts of things. And they're just for me and my family. But you're saying that that's, you're not a farmer in that you're creating crops and, you know, raising livestock for the rest of us per se. It's for you right. and your family. That's part of the distinction? Yeah, fam- family and friends. I mean, you know, this year we, not everyone loves when I talk about certain aspects of the the quote unquote farming and growing that we do. It's, um, but you know, this year we raised twelve turkeys for the dinner table, and, uh, and but they were they were gifted uh, to twelve different families. I mean, eleven different families. We kept one, uh, but it was like you know. So it, I like the idea. I hate the I, I hate the the concept of a factory farm. I always have. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's just off putting. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to get too in detail about it, but it's, a, uh, it's, it's just, it's animal torture. It's awful. It's n- no living creature deserves to live a life, uh, like the lives that animals live in factory farms and being a family that eats meat. Uh, I wanted to get away from that as much as possible. So, you know, we were lucky enough to find this awesome space here in Ridgeville with the, uh, you know, the area to grow vegetables and, and raise livestock. So we did. But because we are privileged in that sense, and it doesn't, you know, at least on the scale that I do, it doesn't cost me a fortune to raise these animals. It's it's like a hobby. So uh, we try and do as, as many as we can a year. And then we, you know, at the end of the season, we hand one to all of our friends and, uh, you know, our direct family members and stuff like that. Because it's, uh, I don't know, we just, I, I feel like if everyone could do something like that, places like factory farms would slowly disappear yeah no that's i appreciate what you're saying uh and i also appreciate that you have sort of built a skill set where i mean i is this recent is this something you've always been into your whole life or did you get into it because of this plot of land that you obtained i mean i've always been interested in it but never been able to do it because of the lifestyle that i was living and the places that i was living you know i think the closest I came to it, I, I spent uh, a few years in London, Ontario, and I got really lucky. And the apartment that I was renting came with a tiny little chunk of front yard. And uh, I tilled up the whole yard and started planting vegetables. And whichever, I, I never actually got to eat any of those vegetables. They kept getting taken by some weird animal that I was – I'm not sure what the animal was. But it this animal, the it, it, I think it must have been some sort of gopher or groundhog. But the only time I ever saw it, this animal looked like it had accidentally swallowed the cover of a manhole. It was this big, <laughs> round, fuzzy little animal scurrying away from my yard with a mouthful of, uh, I don't know, rhubarb or something. Hmm. But yeah, now that we live here, it's uh, it's it's nice because I have been, you know, it's not like I, I jumped into all of it completely uneducated. Yeah. You know, like I, I was, I have been interested in this for quite some time. So I was able to, you know, 
over the years read books and you know hope and dream that i would be able to do something like this one day and uh you know luck had it that i was able to find this place and put those skills to the test or whatever does it creep you out that you you have yet to identify the animal that stole your rhubarb yeah i think about that animal all the time it was just so big and flat and round i just but then you know sometimes you stories get over exaggerated in your head over time like i remember when i was a child living in Edmonton, Alberta, walking down the street one day, and I saw four ants crawl out from underneath a car, and each of those ants was about twice the size of a, the common mouse. And that memory is so solid in my head that nothing will change it. Yeah, but that can't saying be, it out, that can't be true. Saying it out, yeah, there's no way, unless yeah. it was some sort of... It was also around the time that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out. <laughs> so I think I might have just been really excited about that, and my mind was playing tricks on me. <laughs> I bet it was a, a possum because my wife once opened our when we lived in Guelph. She opened the front door and swore she saw a possum, and then uh-huh. we never heard tell of it again. Never saw it, nothing. And uh, but she was absolutely. She's like, no, it wasn't a raccoon. It wasn't anything else. There was a there was a possum in our front yard in the porch, and it ran away when I opened the door. And so I I I present to you the uh, possibility that you saw a possum. I don't know why. Okay. Guarantee it could have been anything. My my mind's my mind. I think has now, because of the the exaggerations that have gone on uh, within my own head over the years. I, I think it could have been anything. Okay, it could it could have been a little kid. I don't know. I doubt it was a I'm, little uh, child. Do you think a, a small? Uh, you described it as big, round, and flat. That is not how anyone would describe a child. I don't that's think that's true. Yeah. Plus, kids hate vegetables. Well, no, not mine. I don't find that mine. Really? Well, my son used to be the talk of the town in Guelph because he would we would go to the farmer's market and we would be wheeling him around when he was still, you know, in a stroller. I mean, this is like three, four years old. I don't know. It was just easier. And he would just, you know, we would buy a thing of broccoli. He would eat the whole thing in wow. the stroller. And people would be like, what? What is happening? Why is this child eating this broccoli? I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. He just, I don't know what they were concerned about. I thought it was good. Uh, although he, he just he did eat our entire supply of broccoli on the way home from the farmer's market. So so you never got any broccoli no, for yourself? No, I never got. No, I'm suffering. I'm depleted from the broccoli. now. Actually, now it's a struggle to get him to eat the broccoli. He has no memory of it. Maybe it was a stunt. Maybe he just thought it would be funny to eat all the broccoli in the stroller. Anyway. He, he could have thought, if I, ate all, if I eat this broccoli now, I won't have to do it later in yeah. life. Yeah, that's what I tried to instill with them. That's what I say. I give you the plate. If I were you, I'd eat all the stuff you don't really want to eat first so you can savor the stuff you actually want to eat. That's what I used to do as a kid. Uh, wise wise words. I, I did that at university. I took all the courses I didn't really want to take but had to take, the mandatory ones. And yeah. then by like second year, I was sailing. I could take whatever I want, and it was fun. And uh, so that's my – I like to get the stuff I don't want to do out of the way as quickly as possible. I I say this boastfully. I also procrastinate and put that stuff off sometimes too. I'm not some, right. you know, time management saint or anything. I'm just saying right. I, I do my best. Now, you said a couple of – sorry, I'm going off on one of my tangents, and I, I apologize. Right. But the possum really conjured a lot of feelings and thoughts. <clears throat> you said Edmonton, Alberta there. That's where I'm calling you from. I moved to – my family and I moved to Edmonton, Alberta. In well, I'll be. January 2020. How long did you uh, spend in uh, Edmonton, Alberta? They were some joyous, youthful years. I was there from, you know, the age of like infancy to till I was about seven. Oh well, that's significant. Your first seven years. I, so you're Alberta born. I didn't know that. 
Well, I was born in Hamilton. Oh. And then and then in my very young infancy moved to uh Edmonton, of course, with my family, not by myself. Yeah. And then I was there for, you know, seven about seven years and then off to British Columbia for most of my life and then uh back to Ontario uh in my late teens, early twenties. I don't mean to pry, but what was it that you're, I assume, you know, this was brought on by jobs your parents may have had. Uh, why so much, uh, well, so, not so much, but it seems like a fair amount of transience. Why so much traveling and moving around? Oh, my dad was, uh, my dad was working his way up to the, the managerial spot at a well-known Canadian corporation called Byway. Oh, Byway. <laughs> I forgot about Byway. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah. Are they gone? No wonder you have a, a yen for secondhand clothing maybe well byway wasn't secondhand but it felt second it was close byway it was, it was pretty was, close to secondhand i think it was the bottom rung of department stores yeah there was bargain heralds and byway in canada do you remember bargain heralds i don't remember bargain heralds you know you were probably uh, told not to even mention their name because they were the prime competition for byway when i was a kid you'd go to my parents we'd either go to byway or bargain heralds byway was interesting it was spelled just so people know it was spelled b i hyphen way it was like bi yeah. it was bisexual way and it made that's right i don't it was i think it was a play on b-u-y buying things that's in your head you hear buy way this is the way to buy things but yeah. why well, given your pedigree given who your father was explain to me why the bi why was it called buy way you know i have i've never really thought about it until this exact <laughs> moment that you brought it up and um and now i'm just put on the spot i couldn't tell you <laughs> it's going to be something i'm going to be thinking about for quite some time i might have to give him a call later it's an odd name don't you think if you really it like is. picture it in your head i i i'm just picturing it bi am i wrong about this it was bi hyphen way it was you're right but at the same time i mean what does zellers mean well, that's probably a name. It's a word, Kmart. It's got a mart. I don't know what the K means. Uh, I have no idea. But still, byway, when you think about it, those are two distinct words. Uh, one of them is barely a word. I mean, it means two, I guess, uh, or duality. What is the duality? It's like, it's almost philosophical, like the byway. What was it? You know, on the topic of byway, did I not? I mean, this was this was just pre-pandemic. But did I not hear rumors of Byway making a comeback? There's a thing going on on social media where people got really obsessed with Zellers. Like what happened here in Canada is we had Woolco and we had Zellers. And then the Walmarts showed up and I think bought out the locations. Like they had some sort of situation where they took over these large spaces. And then every once in a while, there's a real nostalgia for Zellers. Because every time one of these American retailers realizes, uh-oh, we can't work here. You know, we got to shut down our operations or we shut down locations. People will get, I see Zellers trending. Wouldn't it be great if Zellers came back? So there's just a real, it's nostalgia, I think, for those oh. things from our youth. You know, we, we are of an age, you and me, Spencer. I think we're, I, I think you're younger than me, but we're close to the same age. And I think we're, uh, we're in a zone where we control all of the social media and all the sentiment that gets spread around. You can right. see it when, uh, remember music festivals? Do you remember when those existed? Because you could see yeah, it. That was a thing where like a bunch of people got together and listened to a bunch of different bands play music live. That, that's exactly what they were. And often right. what you might have noticed recently is like, Drive Like Jehu is playing. Or, uh, you know, so like, just like a band from the 90s. And you're like, why? Yeah. How is this? You know, they get they ask people to come back and play. Well, it's because people like you and me are in these positions 
of power now. And so we have a little bit of nostalgia for things that meant a lot to us as a kid, like Byway, Zellers. Right. So we yeah. start to conjure them. And just by conjuring them, talking about them, it spreads. And then someone's like, it would be a good idea if we reopened our Byways. And that's, yes. how, that's, I think, how it happens. But did you actually read this? Is this substantiated? No, I did. I, I, I remember reading an article pre-pandemic about the return of Byway. And, uh, and I mean, I haven't – it's been, what, a year and a half now since I might have read that. But that was – I was I remember that being a thing. I was really excited about it. Not as, as excited as I would be if Zellers made a comeback, though. Zellers was good. I like Zellers. I had you no know what? I yeah. That – the Zellers restaurant – because oh, Zellers, yes. Zellers all had a little kind yeah. of 50s themed diner That's right. in there. And the Zellers restaurant was not only the first place where the waitress called me sugar. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was also the first place where I was I sat down t- to order my food and never had to order it because the waitress simply just brought me what I wanted because she knew what I wanted. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, man, I love that Zellers restaurant. Yeah, no, a cup Zell- of coffee and a piece of blueberry pie. That's what I liked. They was very much like that. They made these little diners. Uh, I don't know what they thought their demographic was. I guess it, in retrospect, I didn't really look around at who was among me. Like, I remember one of my strongest memories from Zellers is I bought a Nirvana in utero shirt at a Zellers in Kitchener, Ontario. Wow. And they just wow. had it on the rack, and I still have it, actually. It's somewhere around. Uh Someone on the internet offered me 300... I posted photos of some of my Nirvana t-shirts from that mm-hmm. era. And some guy... I have to write him or something. I, I It's all in my parents' house. They're going to have to ship it to me. But he wants to pay me $300 a t-shirt. This is a very very interesting segue here, well, Vish. Because oh, I'm, oh. I'm, cur- I'm currently sitting uh, in my vintage clothing store that I own and operate uh, in the neighboring town to where I live. The, the town's called Fenwick. Just a little middle-of-nowhere town. And the 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 quote unquote vintage T-shirt market right now is absolutely insane. Really, I, I I see people spending, you know, I mean, I think just recently someone bought an in utero shirt, a Nirvana shirt, uh, from the '90s, and I, I mean, it, they're they're selling anywhere from eleven hundred dollars to two thousand. Oh, okay. So it's, I'm being I'm being under bid you're here. Being, yeah, you're being under bid. You should say, well, give me. Because I, I have, I have a it, like the thing is, it's a white in utero T-shirt from Zellers, and mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of it's 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 white. So over the years, it is you know it's not as sharp and crisp a white as it was. One might say it's almost yellowy, and okay. But I also have an incesticide shirt, and I also uh-huh. have a bleach shirt. I have most of the album shirts except for Nevermind, curiously, and so. Wow. Uh, well, you know, who am I going to? I'm not going to walk around with a Nevermind shirt when I'm that age. I already at that age was like, this is too big, too popular. I'm going to go for the other ones. I was just right. I, that was my mindset at the time. But yeah, I've got all of those, and yeah, this I posted them on the internet when I was moving to be like, ha, huh, found all my old, you know, Nirvana REM T-shirts, and people are like, I want that. I, I will. I saw yeah. this. I got random emails from random strangers. I would give you three hundred dollars a piece for those shirts. I'm like, what? Yeah. And the real question is you got you got to look at the tag on the shirt. That's what and, they said. Yeah. Yeah, and find out what tag it is cuz that's the big deal. But what is the tag? What's the distinction? What do I I don't know what mine Oh, well, you know, there's certain shirts that are made in Canada, some are made in US. There's different brands. You have to look at uh uh you know, if they're bootlegs or knockoffs. You have to look at the stitching of the shirt to see if it's Good like Lord. from the proper era. There's a lot to a lot that goes into it, but it is wild to see what 
what what goes on there in the and it's specifically t-shirts i mean i I have this vintage clothing store i've been here since 2015 yeah uh it's just a hobby really and you know i've seen things you know rise and fall over the years but right now this vintage t-shirt thing is blowing my mind i mean um and some of it's just absolute trash you know i think i think the big one that went in 2020 was um one of those really loud uh like all over print t-shirts and it had the genie from disney's aladdin on it Uh uh-huh and and it sold for six thousand u.s dollars one t-shirt one t-shirt wait a minute did you have it or did you just read oh god no no i just read about it it was uh, it was uh it was on one of those live instagram auctions that all the t-shirt people have been doing but the uh wait a minute there are t-shirt people there's like the whole subspecies of human there's the t-shirt people is that what you're saying yeah i I mean that's what that's what i would consider i mean i i love vintage t-shirts of course like i love vintage clothing i think it's it's awesome but there's there's shops now out there like vintage clothing stores i say clothing very loosely because the only thing that they carry in their store is t-shirts it's just t-shirts it's all t-shirts and the and this, it's it, it has to do with sizing too. I mean, oh, only large and extra large shirts really sell for the big money. Well, that's what I like- have. I was such a self. I was so self conscious about my body uh, as a child, as a teen. I don't know what that says about me, but I only got extra large, and I like I can't even wear it now. I'm like it's, I'm. I was always this. Like I'm six two. I feel like I was almost always six two. And because uh, I would buy, and I would buy extra large to I think in, you know not to get psycho psychoanalyze myself here but i think to hide myself because now i only wear large i'm i'm comfortable in my skin and i right. i can only large is appropriate extra large i'm swimming in it so yeah i i think i i'll take a look at the tags but i feel i feel like you're saying i might be sitting on a gold mine because i yeah preserve i have all my t-shirts from my from all the music t-shirts and i i laundered them myself uh since i was like 11 or 12 because i knew Cold water, you know, no dryer. I learned that early, and so they're all in pretty good shape. So now you're saying I might be sitting on millions of dollars worth of t-shirts. And you, you, you send me some pictures of those shirts later, and I'll, I'll let you know if you can put your kids through college with them. Really, that is fascinating. And and do you? So do you carry any of this stuff in your store? I generally, what I do is when I get stuff of that value in here, I personally have a bit of a hard time selling a t-shirt for that much money. Hmm. So I'll either give it for a very good price or for free to a friend who's like very passionate about the band, say if it's a band shirt. Yeah. And if not, then I'll sell it for like a wholesale price to another store and they can try and get their, their big dollars. Cause yeah, like yeah, someone told me to go to Toronto. There's the other, uh, the, do you remember, uh, do you remember the artist grasshopper? It might be before your time, but I don't remember them. No. There's an artist named grasshopper. I remember this because when I met Beck at the Lollapalooza tour, I asked him about Grasshopper because there was a rumor that Beck was going to collaborate with uh, Grasshopper, and he acknowledged that he was aware of Grasshopper. He didn't confirm or deny any sort of collaboration. But anyway, oddly enough, 25 years later, someone's like, you got to contact Grasshopper. It's, it sounds like Kung Fu, the TV show, doesn't it? But what I'm saying <laughs> is I was like, okay, I'll contact Grasshopper. And they we had a phone call, and he was like, oh, yeah, bring all your stuff. But I was moving, and I was like, this is insane. I didn't... What you're saying to me now, I did not take seriously uh, a year ago. I was like, come on. Really? There's a whole market of million-dollar T-shirts? I'd, I have that? You know? Because I always... Every once in a while when you get older, you're like, oh, I... You think stupid things sometimes. Like, if only I had thought to, uh, 
invest in Apple. And I don't know how to invest in things. I don't even know why I think that. You know, like just like oh, oh I, I I have the same thought. You know, everyone's talking about all this uh, cryptocurrency right now. Right. Like, yeah. You know, so I should invest in that. How do you inv- how do you invest in? I don't know how to invest know. in things. Do you talk to? A, I guess you talk to an investor. I don't know how that. So like, I'm an adult, but I'm not. And now you're telling me that it's fine that I'm not a real adult because I have rock band T-shirts. It's very. Yeah. It's a weird conversation. It's weird times, and and people value things in strange ways. And I feel like. This is a nice segue into talking a bit about your record because I feel like you're reflecting upon uh, your life and times. There's we talked about Alberta, and there's a song <laughs> where you talk about you know an Alberta mountain range, and that stuck out to me. And 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 generally, I feel like you're reflecting upon a time that was maybe better than these times. Is any of this fair? Are you feeling reflective on Coyote? Of course I am. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's many songs I've written in my life where there's not some kind of reflection. Uh, about a past time but what i find interesting about this record is that a lot of the songs so most of these songs were recorded no they were all recorded in the the summer of 2019 hmm. so they were written before that obviously and the album was meant to come out march of 2020 things went weird with the world so that didn't happen but i find it very interesting that a lot of these songs can kind of sit well with the current uh, state of the world it's like you almost anticipated the stillness and the introspection that was to come because i feel like in my reading of the record there's a lot of that going on and it feels very timely like you say like it's fascinating this keeps happening uh i feel like artists have a certain prescience because they'll release a record and people won't really pick up on stuff until maybe a year or two later where they're like that's so weird listening to this record that sounds like it's about 9-11 and the artist is like, no, 9-11 hadn't happened yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Similarly, you're talking about some some sort of reflective stuff about family and friends and what's really important. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, I mean, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've had people, you know, come up to me and ask me about s- certain songs because, I, I mean, I've, I've had, I, like I said, I recorded the summer in the summer of 2019. So I've definitely given this record out to a lot of friends and family before the record has actually been released. So. I've had a lot of people come up to me and ask me, you know, like, oh, like, you know, you wrote this song about, uh, you know, the pandemic and, you know, whatnot. And I mean, I'm not I'm not Bono, you know, like, I I don't think I would ever write a song about the pandemic. Hmm. But it's just funny that everyone kind of associates certain songs on the on the record with the times currently. Yeah. Well, that's that's just our context and how we relate to things. I mean, do you feel like you're more like the edge? Yo, I mean, (laughs) If I had to, if I had to compare to myself to anybody on this planet, it would definitely be the edge. <laughs> <laughs> we all talk about that. Yeah, man, Spencer really going for the edge on this uh, yeah. Coyote record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole persona. There is a. I also thought, and I don't know if you can relate to this or if you even feel it's accurate. This felt like really uh, ambitious production sort of stuff. It felt to me like you were kind of going for broke a little bit, going for the radio, maybe even like going for something. Is that? Is there anything to that, or do you think that's is that is am um, I reading too much into that? I I never had that thought. I I recorded so I've recorded my um, I've done three records in the past little while. Two of them are what I call adult music, and one of them was a children's album. So, but we're going to stick the children's album aside. That's Mountain here. Man. That was the Mountain Man. The yeah, Mountain I wrote Man. that. Yeah. We can, we can talk about that later. I wrote that for my kids. Yeah, yeah. 
no, the, the album, the adult album that I put out before Coyote songs of, um, was kind of a, a new step for me. I wanted to try something different. I've always made records very close to home, generally with the same group of friends. And I just wanted to try something different. So I met uh, a really great producer and studio owner down south in Nashville. Uh, it had nothing to do with Nashville. It had nothing to do with the place. It had to do with the person. Uh, we mm. met. He was really great. We kind of clicked uh, and, and became friends. And he just seemed like the kind of person I would like to make a record with. And he introduced me to this whole new world of music making. You know, he it was all analog. He brought in these incredible musicians. Some of them still to this day are friends now. Hmm. And when and because of the awesome experience I had down there doing it with him, I wanted to do Coyote the exact same way. I wanted to go down to Nashville. I wanted to, his name is An- Andrea Tokic, and uh, I wanted to go down there and make another record with him. But he brought in some of these incredible players and these incredible people. And I hear what you're saying with the whole, you know, radio friendly big production thing. But I think all that really boils down to is the fact that I got to play with such incredibly mind blowing talented people yeah that it, i think it just came across that way because their talent just it, it, it couldn't be, be seen as anything else other than very accessible i guess to to uh potentially be reductive or compartmentalize this does this feel like country music to you per se that's what i've read in other interviews but <laughs> other I, uh, other reviews you mean reviews <laughs> yeah reviews reviews yeah. um but i i didn't plan on that it just is what it is. It, it came out that way. We, I had some really cool players on the record that may have added to that. You know, I, uh, on the song you mentioned earlier, it's called Nothing's Changed, the one where I, I sing about Alberta. Yeah. I had probably the greatest, in, in my opinion, the greatest living pedal steel player alive uh, today, uh, Lloyd Green. Uh, he's like, you know, he, he's played with, I mean, you name, you name a country legend and he has played with him. And, uh, or a- her, and Adam Clayton. Oh wait, yeah, Adam Clayton is not a country legend. Sorry, he plays bass and <laughs> plays bass in the Irish rock band U2. I I don't know why oh, I'm yeah. doing all these U2 callbacks. I'm sorry. You have so much more U2 knowledge than I do because mine well, ends at Bono and the Edge. My too much to maybe the chagrin of our mutual friend uh, Daniel Romano, who I think uh-huh. quite despises that band. And I, yeah. you know, whatever. Like I grew up listening to that band and reading. I my early music education was from my cousin, and in the '80s. U2 were a big deal, so I read every book about U2, and I listened to their records, along with, like, the Beatles and other stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's just implanted in my head. And then, you you know, we were talking about nostalgia. So you kind of follow, when they're up to something, because you have that, it's seated in you as a kid, you just, you're like, oh. You know, for other people, it's like probably Barry Manilow or something. You know, like, oh, Barry Manilow has oh, yeah. a new record out. I remember listening to that with my my grandpa or something. And so you're just like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll read this article about Barry Manilow because of that. Yeah. So it's I have that relationship with. Yeah, I grew up, I think I've seen every episode of The X-Files five times. Oh, wow. And and, and still to this day, if David Duchovny puts out a new movie, I'm like, ah, I should probably go see that. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. an association they, you have. Even yeah. if it's crap or you don't like it or he's a sex addict. This is all about David Duchovny <laughs> yeah, now, but yeah, like you just you stay up on it in a weird peripheral. It's sort of peripheral, but it's also not. It some, says something about you that those things are kind of in your soul a little bit. Like you, you can't really shake them, and if you try to be like, ah, that's not cool anymore, you're kind of lying to yourself a little bit because it's just a party. Anyway, this is a bit of a rant, or it's not, right. it's not a rant; it's a tangent. You were talking yeah. about nothing's changed and uh, the pedal steel. 
And so you're saying it was circumstance. You just happened to be with these people, and you were in a place that is basically the birthplace or headquarters of country music. It might have, whether intentional or not, it was maybe natural that these things are going to seep into what you're doing down there. Absolutely, yeah. I had, I had no. That's the that was. I mean, that was part of the reason I again wanted to work with Andrea is because when I go in there, we don't have a plan. It's not like. Hey Andy, I want to make a country record. It's always like I send him. I mean, it's probably very unprofessional, but I, I generally send him like you know ten or eleven terrible phone recordings of the demos of my songs, mm-hmm. and I say let's let's make this into music, and that's just then we go from there. I mean, there's songs on the album that sound nothing like country music, and there's some that uh, you know I've been told are uh, you know more akin to my days as under the moniker Gray Kingdom. Uh, but there, you know, there's, there's, uh, I think there's, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it probably does lean more towards the country folk side. I just wondered about it because, uh, I mean, you, we were talking about how it's sort of when you're putting something out during a pandemic, it's like just sending something out into the ether and it kind of dissipates because you don't get to do all the stuff. It feels like it's dissipating, but ha- has this record resonated with uh, those kinds of uh, like more mainstream art or uh you know entities like has it been getting more have you noticed any sort of um resonance with those like radio or magazines that you weren't expecting like stuff like that um i mean it's i will say and i i I can't i can't credit it to the music necessarily maybe it's just the pandemic and people are bored but i will say that the amount of like reviews and interviews that I've been asked to do and the amount of people wanting to talk to me about the record, uh, it's been a little bit exhausting. Uh, oh. present, present company excluded. I'd like, to apo- <laughs> I'd like to apologize for my line of questioning. We spent 15 right. <laughs> minutes just on Byway, and that's not fair to you. Yeah. It's not a fair use oh. of your time. I'm sorry. Well, you know, may- maybe Byway will open again one day, and, uh, and you and I will get like a cool, like, crisp hundred dollar store credit or something because of well that. well you you clearly read about its resurrection in the newsletter that your father writes i guess right, i don't yeah. know where else you would have read that but yeah no i anyway sorry another tangent yeah it, you're getting a lot of attention you feel like at the moment yeah, I, that, yeah. that sounds maybe like I, I don't want to say getting a lot of attention because I, I feel like that makes me sound uh full full of myself maybe but it's um no I've, I've definitely been talking to a lot of people about the record which is incredibly flattering but it's definitely uh it's it's more this time around than for other records. I see. So you're trying to qualify it by saying maybe it's just there's a void. And when someone puts out content, people are like, oh, good. Someone put out content. We can talk about that content. Totally. Uh, just that's, it, it could be that. Yeah. Oh, so, something to talk about, something to do. Let me, you know, yeah, I want to talk. Let's talk. Well, you talked about the more recent records you've made. Does it feel, and this, you know, clearly, you know, you mentioned that this is a, something of a departure in the way you normally operate where you operate who you work with does it feel like a departure in any other particular way like does it feel sonically so far removed from and maybe within the arrangement does it feel so far removed from other work you've done i mean not not really i think if if you were to take all of my hundreds of uh you know iphone demo recordings and put them all side by side i think the songs would sit very well together from every album I've done. They're all very similar. I think it's just as you grow, just like in anything, right? With music or, you know, farming or growing or, you know, any, any industry you're in, as you grow, you just kind of, you know, learn to do it a little differently. Yeah. In terms of what you're saying about human connection, like, again, I can see why people 
and myself included, like might read into the relationship of, you know, this record has with the time it was released. But what do you suppose you're saying about human connection generally, overarchingly on this record? Because I hear it pop up quite a bit. And I don't just mean like, you know, odes to our loved ones, our wives, our, our partners, our children. Um, to me, there does seem to be a sentiment about general human connection, collective consciousness, these sorts of things. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. But if I'm correct, <laughs> can yeah. you expand upon that? Maybe what, what if, this is pre-pandemic, as we've established. What was going on that instilled such ideas within you as a songwriter? I yeah that's honestly that's that's a, a large uh, character a, l- a large body of character of the record is is the disconnect yeah. between between people on a individual level as a whole as humanity as a whole too it's um which is again wild because this was written pre pandemic and you know I mean now we're all obviously disconnected from each other because we're all afraid to hug yeah but you know at the time it, 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 humanity has become very confused with how we're supposed to interact with one another Mm. you know it's and it's not i don't know whose fault it is or where we went wrong and it could be partially because of social media and the internet and the constant access to the feeling of being connected uh when we're not really connected to anything at all yeah i mean we're i'm sure we're all guilty of it but we've all spent too much time on our telephones during this you know pandemic and but people have been spending too much time on their phones and too much time on the computer and too much time away from other people for a a very long time. It's, it's like a drug. It's like an addiction. You don't realize it's happening. Yeah. And all, all of a sudden you're spending seven and a half hours a day on your telephone, looking at other people's fake lives and wanting that and, and wishing you had it. But instead you're working three jobs because you got to feed your family. It's just this, it's, 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 it's terrible. It's, you know, we're, we're constantly wanting more, but putting ourselves in a place of not being able to achieve it because we're trying to achieve it so hard. So, I mean, when you sort of delve into these delusions or illusions of connection that we have been sort of sort of self-inflicted, it's sort of confusing because we tend to blame ourselves. Like, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to stay off the internet. Like, it's our fault that the world, like our specific fault that, that we feel these way, this way, these ways, you know? But yeah. really, the technology came upon us uh, in a way like we've all and now the pandemic has really accelerated this kind of virtual connection, this false connection, I guess. We say yeah. virtual connection, but it's sort of false. Same time, it feels very efficient some days to be like, oh, I have a meeting. Normally, I would have to drive two hours to get to that meeting. But now I can because of, we've all accepted that that's not a great idea. A better idea is to just talk to each other over our phones and then carry on with our lives and not burn a bunch of gasoline. All I'm saying is there's pros and cons to this, but do you offer any other possible solutions? Like you're you're pointing these things out, you're observing these kinds of behaviors, but do you feel like you're offering some sort of solutions within any of these songs? Not to ascribe too much importance uh, or put a burden on you, but do you feel like you're getting at that a little bit? Like what... What is it that we're doing and how could we be better? Is that going on on these songs? There's a little bit of that. I I I write songs primarily for myself as like a, a form of therapy, I guess. I never I never write a song to to try and 
make other people think differently. Hmm. But if someone wants to take that away from the song, I think that's cool. Um, there is, there's definitely a bit of that in the record. It's, you know, talk, there's songs like further or human touch talking about ex- uh, exactly that. Like, I mean, if you put those two titles together, we're furthering ourselves. from human touch. <laughs> Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, that it's, um, I, 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 I think that maybe in, in some of the words in the songs that I'm kind of trying to help people get away from that, but I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a, a, a pressure worker. I'm not trying to, trying to do that, but it, th- those, uh, those messages are definitely in the music. Yeah. I don't want to ascribe, like I say, I'm not trying to ascribe too much, uh, I'm, I'm, you're not, you're not bound to help us as an artist, right. but, <laughs> yeah. but I do think you're, you instill ideas within us that get us think. Like I thought about a lot of this, these, these are the ideas of, like what I'm conveying to you are the ideas that your songs uh, instilled within me, this notion of like, what are we doing? What is important? You know, why do we hang on to certain ideas and memories and other ones go? Like you, you talk a lot of, there's a few songs where it seems like you're talking about very mundane memories, like mundane things that turn into memories. And, you know, you you say you're not a therapist, but that's really interesting, isn't it? Like you might remember a cup of coffee you had on one, you've had a, a billion cups of coffee, but one of them, for some reason, is still implanted in your mind. Does that sort of stuff fascinate you? Absolutely. And and that goes back to the idea of human connection, right? Like we, we're living in this world now where everything is go, 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 and, and, and be better and be better and stop for a second, take the selfie, put it on the internet, put the filter on it, make sure everyone thinks your life is amazing. Just like go, 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 right? So it's I think that I'm fortunate maybe you're fortunate maybe because we grew up in a time when these things didn't exist, right? Like, like phones and social media, right? So, so we can look back on memories and think like, on think about that, that time that the waitress called me sugar, right? Think, think back on the time when, when she, when she brought me a piece of blueberry pie and a cup of coffee at the Zeller's restaurant. But now like those memories, they're not there because we're always moving so fast. I mean, maybe they are for some, maybe they're not, but I'll, I I will say that uh, a lot of my most uh, fond memories were, you know, at times when life was moving in a little slower. And yes, I know like everyone says that life is at a standstill right now because of this pandemic and, and life is moving slow, et cetera. But it really isn't because we're still always on the phone. We're still always looking at stuff. We're still always wanting to be that other person because they have more, you know, the, it's, it's just this, uh, Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. Well, you're talking about a time when life maybe felt a little less performative as well. Absolutely. Like we yeah, would every- live our lives and we had our, it's a good point you're raising because there are times now where I will take a photo of something, just just pathologically photographing things, and I'm sure it's creating some neural pathway disruptions because, you know, sometimes when you write something down or take a photo of it, your memory doesn't store it the same way because it doesn't have to. You let go of it a little bit. Whereas we grew yeah. up just, you know, we have all our memories in our heads because they weren't being captured 24-7 and they weren't, they, our minds were forced to be like, okay, you better save this one. We're putting this one in the file in your brain that's, you know, this is worth keeping. Whereas now, I can't, sometimes I, I can't remember if I took a photo, of, like if I lived an experience or I saw someone else live it, like, you know, when we get, some of us are going to get senile and not know what our lives were because we, 
<laughs> we we've it's, captured so much of it and 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 consumed so much of everyone else's. Did I go to that concert or did I just see someone take a photo of it? Like I can't remember anymore. Yeah, anyway. was did, did I go to that concert or was I in the band? I yeah. don't remember. <laughs> like it's like it's it's just so it's it's so it's it's chaotic and confusing. I mean, I'm in a panic right now. I've got this uh this I don't know, 150,000-year-old MacBook behind me that won't turn on. Right. And it's it's got all my photos on it. It's got all photos of of my touring days with Attack and Black. It's got photos of my children. It's got of throughout oh, no. throughout the years, you know, and it won't turn on. And it's like there was a time in history when if I didn't go to you know whatever Henry's photo store or whatever yeah, and buy yeah. a, a disposable camera or a roll of film, get those photos printed, put them in a book. It was like I didn't have those pictures. Yeah. And now everything's just like picture, 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 picture yeah. all the time. Yeah. And you, you you think it's just gonna I don't know. It's yeah, it's a ugh a nightmare we've gone a little psycho with the photos i have to say like just like i do it all like i looked at my thing on this computer it's funny you say this because i tried to turn on my 2008 macbook to try to find an interview i'd done with the whalers okay because uh, bunny whaler as we're speaking bunny whaler just passed away and, oh. I, and i did like a video interview with them uh many years ago and i was just trying to find it and same thing my 2008 macbook was like nope not turning on and like the power wouldn't light up and 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 at the same time, and like this computer that I'm talking to you on, sixteen, seventeen thousand photos. Do I need this many photos? If they all went, what would happen to me? Like I would be crushed. It would ruin my month, and then mm-hmm. I would get over it probably. But like it is weird that this this data that we just frantically just capturing it, saving it, storing it, never really looking at it until that day when you decide I'm going to open that up and it doesn't work, and your whole life is altered. Like you're probably yeah. just you're like you're you're upset, you're frustrated. By the way, take it to a. I'm sure someone can turn it on. They, these, yeah, I'll, fig- I'll these figure. These computer it out, people sure. and this, it's, you know, wear your mask. Go to the Apple Store, whatever it is, and uh, they'll figure it out. Anyway, it is weird. I I also wanted to this this umbrella term coyote. I found yeah. fascinating, and I saw these little videos that I, I did. You take this this little social media like videos were circulating. Is that a video you took of a coyote? It is. Yeah. And did you throw snow at it? No, no, that's um so I have uh I have um some motion sensor trail cameras in my backyard. Oh. To just just for fun for the kids and I yeah. uh to you know see little videos and pictures of the different wildlife that comes through. Yeah. And uh and that that coyote was one of them and I decided to use it for for media. There's actually an interesting uh story about that coyote and I believe it was that coyote. It's tough to say cuz I get I get packs of up to like 12 of them running through my yard sometimes. Is that scary to have coyotes just roaming around? A little bit. It, it depends on what you're dealing with. I mean, a coyote is is gener- generally a pretty skittish and, and afraid animal. Certain times of the year, definitely not. You know, like right now actually is coyote breeding season and they'll uh I mean, they'll pull your dog into the forest and eat a, eat it alive. They're they're oh vicious this time of year. Oh. Um so we're a little more cautious during the months of February and March. We we have but, them in our neighborhood here. Yeah, they're they're everywhere. Just roaming and around, yeah. Here in Niagara, we actually have something called the koi wolf, which is uh, you know, when oh, when no. people when when Euro- the Europeans or whatever came into Canada and started settling from the east, uh they would be clearing forests and making wildlife kind of 
live together even if they didn't want to hmm. and the the coyotes and wolves were forced to live together there was some fighting they ended up like breeding together there's actually a pretty cool documentary on youtube about the koi wolf you should look it up but oh, okay they uh you know they started breeding and now uh anywhere from the east coast all the way to ontario and maybe into the prairies a little bit there's coyotes still but there's also something called a koi wolf which is like a, a larger slightly more aggressive animal compared to the coyote uh it's it's still you know if you see a koi wolf it's going to run away but if you see a pet you know like a pack of koi wolves they might not run away from you because they when they're in a pack they kind of tune into that they're they're more like wolf genetics oh no Um, yeah there's freaky little animals but anyways yeah um yeah that's uh i kind of forgot where i I went off i was asking you about (laughs) the motif of the coyote uh, and as well as the kind of uh, use of that video for promotional purposes i guess yeah Right. I well, I guess the, um, I mean, the motif, the 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 whole idea behind uh, calling the album Coyote was I, I didn't have a name at first, and there was uh, a, a coyote in my backyard. I, I saw it a few times in person. Beautiful animal. Yeah. Had a lot more white fur than you would normally see on uh, like a, a coyote. Oh, uh, maybe it's a koi wolf. It might have been a koi well, wolf. That's what I was thinking. Something like that. Yeah. And it uh, it was uh, terrorizing my chickens. It was like like it, it t- took a few of them, but it was definitely like it was doing damage to the point where I wanted to kill it. I wow. wanted to get rid of it any way I could. So, you know, I got like more cameras. I set it up, tried to figure out its patterning. Um, you know, I was like, do I set up live traps? What do I do? How do I get rid of this damned animal? Can you uh, have you ever do you have a gun? Can you shoot a gun? I do. I don't like talking about it because I know a lot of people don't like them. But yeah, uh, I, but I, I mean, consider- you're living in the rural area, so I feel like it's forgivable, if I might say. Yeah, well, there, there's courses you take, and there's there's a lot more safety measures here in Canada when it comes to owning a firearm. Right. But I look at my firearms the same way that I look at a knife or a hammer. You know, it's a tool. Yeah. Uh, a tool that you need to store safely and keep away from people at all times but it's uh it's a tool and um like you know we talked about again i'm gonna just tear off on a little bit of a tangent here but uh we talked we talked earlier about you know growing your own and raising your own livestock and providing for your family through uh, i guess unorthodox means uh, you know like get, getting away from yeah uh the factory farming yeah. industry so so i also do hunt and you know fish and bring home uh, as much wild food as i possibly can but to do this in certain areas, I, I use a, a firearm to at least try and harvest some kind of wild game. Yeah. I, I do. I do generally hunt with a bow and arrow, and that's that's where how I bring most of the wild really? game in. But yeah, but when it when it comes to like smaller game like uh, rabbits or squirrel or things like that, I use like a, a small firearm for that. It's. it's uh, I appreciate that you're saying you don't like to talk about it too much. Uh, it is not usually in the realm of my show. And in the realm of most of the people I tend to talk to, we don't get into the progressive, sensitive songwriter types, if you will. <laughs> Often not. I don't have many talking about hunting and, and living off the land the way you are. So I will say I find this very fascinating. I mean, I know uh, some of my listeners and even myself get a little skittish about such things. But of course. it's fascinating. It's interesting. And you, you're trying to live responsibly and... Hmm. And you're some sort of weird Rambo farmer Renaissance man <laughs> that uh, I knew vaguely that this was going on, but yeah, that's it's sorry. I, I appreciate your skittishness in talking about it, but also no, it's all right. I just you know I don't, I don't want to uh, offend anybody and uh, make anyone uncomfortable when I talk about those things, which is why I just kind of keep it to myself. Yeah, I mean, sure. as far as the internet's concerned, I don't think many people would ever know that I hunted. 
Yeah. Um, it just, I, I'm not, I don't glorify it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to put a picture of me and a dead deer on the internet. No, no, it's, I don't uh, think that's what you're doing. I just, that's, so that's interesting. You've got to protect yourself and your family. You've got these coyotes coming up and they're eating your chickens. What do you do? What are you going to do to it? Well, that's just it. And, you know, I, I of course, my, my first reaction, like I, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to kill it. That wasn't what I wanted. I, I just wanted it gone. Right. So, you know, the first, my first step was to get some live traps and, and, uh, I bought some, uh, this spray stuff, you know, it's like a pest deterrent. You'd spray it around your, your yeah. property and supposed yeah. to make animals not come. It didn't work, but uh, I tried a few different things. And one night I was, I was going out there to check the trail cameras and I have, I have this little reader so I can look at the pictures right there out in, out in the field. And I see the picture of this coyote, the same one. Yeah. And it had a, it had a big old rat in its mouth. Oh. And I, I love that. Well, that's good. You don't uh, want the rats either. Oh, that's just the thing. So, the, yeah. you know, that's another problem that you have when you raise livestock. You can get these kinds of things and they can bring in disease and they can yeah. bring in, uh, you know, uh, like uh, parasites and all that kind of stuff. So at that moment, I realized that maybe – this thing that I hated and feared, right, was also something that was benefiting me in a way, mm. um, which uh, kind of goes back to the album and why I wanted to name it Coyote, because a lot of these songs were fearful and written out of anger, I guess. But they, they also, you know, there's also a lot of like hope and love and joy yeah. in these songs, I think. Yeah, well, that's a really fascinating uh, explanation of that. I hadn't contemplated that, the notion of fearing and loving something at the same time or not sure why you fear something. Maybe there's love. That's very, very interesting. It's a very interesting album, I will say. I, I hope people will listen to it. Uh, I've listened to it a lot, and I really enjoy it. And I will say, I know you were, you were, you were reticent to talk about the country stuff, but I will tell you anecdotally that I was playing it in the kitchen one day, and my wife was wandering in and out, and at one point she said, are you listening to new country music? <laughs> I said, no, it's, well, I mean, maybe it's Spencer, Spencer Burton from Attack and Light, you know, Great Kingdom. And she's like, oh, right. This is Spencer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. So oh, wow. maybe we just had lost touch with you a little bit over the years or something. I don't know. Like, but it felt wow. to me like a bit of a departure. And she wasn't, she was just surprised that I yeah. would be spending time listening to, I don't know if she thought I was listening to Clint Black or something. I have no idea. But, <laughs> but I, uh, well, and I have no problems with any of that stuff. You know, I just, mm -hmm. uh, music is music. It's really great. It's really well done, and I think it 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 captures your aesthetic in a very interesting way, if I might say. So, congratulations, oh, if I if thanks, I. Thanks, man. Yeah, I do want to ask you one quick thing because you invoked Attack and Black. There, you guys are all doing different things, and they're very fascinating things. Do you have any perspective on what? I mean, obviously, uh, Ian and Dan Romano are in cahoots, working together quite a bit. What is your perspective right now as we're speaking on where everyone's at, where they've gone, where you've gone uh, in relation to where you started from? Do you have any perspective on that? I do. And uh, my perspective is nothing but love. It's uh, I, I have I'm, I'm still very close with all of the members of that band and I've got to see them grow as people. And I've got to see that, you know, their different styles of music they've decided to play over the year, the different tastes or the different things that they've done artistically. And I know to, to, to look from like a distance to see what they're doing. Uh, they're all very happy in what they do. Yeah. And that that makes me happier than anything. You know, it's like there's never been a I mean, of course, there's there's always a bit of like uh, there's been times when we've we've all been distraught, but they're all currently doing something that they love and i love that i mean i i i we, we talked about the farm earlier there's actually two homes on the farm 
and uh, and Dan Romano lives in the other one. Right. So we're still we're like we're like a stone's throw away from each other. Right. Uh, yeah, like we're we're neighbors, and um, so I see him every day. I saw him. I don't know. I think I saw him like twenty minutes before I started talking to you. Right. Uh, and then you know Ian Romano's always over there. The one that I I don't see as much as I liked would be Ian Kehoe. Yeah. And he's in Toronto, and he's still he's still. I mean that guy. Whether the world knows it or not, that dude is putting out you know like handfuls of incredible records a year. Yeah, I gotta catch up eat. with I gotta catch up with him. He was on my a version of my he was on like a live talk show version of my show in 2020. Uh, we did it remotely, and he was a good sport about it. And then I think subsequently released three albums at once or something. Uh, yeah, so and they're I, all amazing. Yeah, so I gotta spend. Yeah, it is it is incredible. Are you aware of or do you experience that clamoring? For Attack in Black, I feel like anytime people leave a band, there's a subset of people that are like, "Can you put the other band back together?" Do you hear that still? Oh God, more than I'd like. Yeah. Heck, you remember? Do you remember earlier when we were talking about those live internet T-shirt auctions? Yeah, yeah. I uh, for the vintage clothing, I was doing one maybe a few weeks back, and I was had there's people can message like in the chats underneath the the video, uh-huh. and it was there was a bunch of people in there just, "When's Attack in Black getting back together?" Oh, Attack in Black, this Attack in Black, that's like, guys. Just try, I'm just trying to sell some T-shirts. Here. Yeah, that is the wrong context for that. I mean, it, yeah. I suppose it's both a flattering thing, but also probably kind of frustrating that people are locked into their specific memory of what they love about you. Like, I don't. It's uh, yeah. That's that's the thing that I don't think people will realize is that I, especially being the types of people that we are. Yeah. If if that band ever if if Attack and Black ever said, yeah, you know what. Let's get back together yeah. and do a th- and do a thing. It's not going to be what people want or remember. No, because you know, you've it, all evolved as people, and you've all approached uh, music from different ways. It's probably going to be some amalgam of that kind of new thing. Like it's that's what you were when you started. Yeah. <laughs> you all had yeah. your interests, and they converged, and that's what bands are. So when people, I, that's what I find fascinating about this particular band and the clamoring for it, like. That's a really astute point that when you if their memory of Attack and Black is probably of us, that band changed so much that you're getting each person commenting on your T-shirt auction probably likes a different version of Attack and Black. Even do you know well, what exa- I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And, that, you know, we yeah, we did have we I mean, we even had the chats about, you know, in the past, no, n- not any time recently, but we've had chats in the past about possibly making music together again. And it was always the same thing. It's like, yeah, we could do it, but we shouldn't play any of the old music. Right. And we should just write, write a completely new album. Yeah. And that's just the people who want this band to get back together, I, I think, would be gravely disappointed. <laughs> I will say like towards the end of the band's run, there were some live shows I saw. And I don't think those things were... If they were recorded, I haven't heard. I think they were recorded. I feel like one of our mutual friends says that last run of songs was captured but not released. Is that right? Yeah, I think there's uh, – I mean we have – as a band, we recorded an album together and, yeah. never released, and never released it. So there's an album floating around on probably this broken MacBook. Uh, <laughs> that, um, so it's lost. It's yeah, lost it's the technology. Forever. But there was like but, a – I remember Dan had a song – that was about, and I've talked about it on the show before, and I, I mean, and and it's escaping me now. But it was about like the, what's the highway in Ontario called? Um, Memor- it's like the Memorial Highway, and I can't think of what the term is at the moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? When yeah, they, I don't know. But he wrote a song about it, and I saw it performed at Lee's Palace, and it was about soldiers 
coming home and, uh, you know, having died. And I think right. being driven down the highway, I think that's what it was. Anyway, it was very poignant and a profound song. And then I don't think we ever heard it. And so, but that to me also totally different sound uh, for that band uh, or, or approach to songwriting, maybe even. I don't know what I'm saying exactly, but right. yeah, it's fascinating that there's this clamoring. And like you said, there's a thing that's just sitting there on a broken computer that maybe someday we'll see the light. And so, yeah, I can see why people are like, there, there's people that feel like a band uh, that ended the way yours did. There's unfinished business for them in their relationship with your band. I think that's what maybe is happening. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They just want more. They want, they, they want closure. Yeah. Anyway, this is not for us to resolve here. I just wondered no. <laughs> about your opinion on it because we've yeah. been talking about uh, various aspects of your life. Uh, so the album is Coyote. Uh, Spencer, uh, where can people go to learn more about the album and you if they want to keep tabs on what's coming up? Uh, well, I guess I guess my most um, updated form of social media would be Instagram, mm-hmm. and that's uh, at like the little at symbol, mm-hmm. and then my name, my name Spencer Burton, uh, one word, and then you know th- through that, uh, I think you can have a, access to everything I do: the farming stuff, the vintage clothing store, my website. Uh, you can get get it all there, and then you know just type my name into uh, you know whatever streaming service that you're using, and I'm sure there's a there's, I mean, I'm not sure. I know for a fact that there is music on yeah. there that okay. I've released. So. so people can use the internet search engines and type in yeah. Spencer Burton and they'll be just home free. They'll find what that's they right. need. Oh, that's. I think there, I think there's also a realtor out there named Spencer Burton or some sort of politician. Oh. I've Googled, I Googled myself before and I didn't come up. So it was somebody else. I think an athlete maybe. I don't know. There's always yeah. an athlete. Anytime I look up a musician, there's always an athlete. And I'm like, that's not the right one. That is not the right Gene Simmons. That was a different Gene Simmons, and I need to start over again. Uh, I'm not Googling Gene Simmons. I was kidding. Uh, Just, I said the future. Do you have future plans? I know it's hard to plan anything. Like, are you writing material in this? A lot of musicians I talk to can't write during the pandemic because they don't feel like they've got much to write about in a sense. But are you working on stuff? I have unfortunately written an entire album uh, (laughs) during the pandemic that I'm calling Just Choruses. And it's about 30, 30 just choruses, and that's it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything. I don't think I'm ever going to do anything with it, but I'd love to figure out uh, more parts to put with those just choruses. Uh, is it inspired by uh, pandemic stuff or pandemic life, per se? Well, that's the problem. It's, um, you know, I, it's a very, whether you, whether, you know, like no matter how we all seem right now with our, uh, you know, it's like we can talk and we can goof around and we can post nice pictures of ourselves on the internet and do all these things, but we are all very, very exhausted and stressed yeah, out right now. Yeah. Every single one of us, whether you you admit to it or not, and it's uh, it's going to affect uh, creativity. It's going to affect productivity hmm. in certain markets. It's going to affect everything, and it's just um, it's it's a hard time for I think anybody to get uh, anything really truly done right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's exceptions, you know, Fuck, look at our buddy. We just talked about Dan Romano, dude, released like nine albums this year, <laughs> you know, right? And, uh, yeah, last year, and, I guess, technically yeah, last year, yeah. 20, but like, yeah. you know, so there's, there's exceptions to that rule, but, um, you well, know, I, I do know there's people like Dan, I think who see it as a challenge. I think he sees a lot of things as a, a, I used to have this attitude in school where I'm like, Oh, they're trying to get rid of me. They're trying to psych me out. They're right. trying to make me leave, uh, this place. I'm not going to fall for it. I'm going to double down. I feel like Dan, 
I've not talked to him about this, but there was an in, the, the, the impulse I think he had was, oh yeah, pandemic. You think you're going to stop me? No way. And then he went yeah. overdrive. I, I'm, I'm yeah. speculating, but I've, there's, I, I appreciate it. That's what I took from some of that. You know, at the time there was like weekly releases, and then it was like oh, every month there was a release or something, and it was admirable. And I think uh, inspiring to other people to be like, yes, I'm not just going to let this get me down. I'm going to take that as inspiration. So, oh, it's it's incredible. It, it's all inspiring to some, also defeating to others. I was like, I'm sorry, how many, how many <laughs> albums did you put up? Oh, cool. Yeah, I got this uh, this album of just choruses. <laughs> yeah, I can see if you're in the game, in the in the business, you'd be like, oh, this guy's making us all look bad. Uh, yeah. But no, no, it's good. I'm glad to hear you're doing something and productive, yeah, and you've got a lot going on personally as well and uh coyotes are showing up it's uh, there's a lot going on there and uh i i want to say i appreciate this time uh is there a song from coyote that we can go out on that you can choose and if so uh which one and why ah oh, what should we put out you know what let why don't why don't we listen to um the first track off the album because i love that song and it just hasn't really been getting we didn't we didn't decide to release it as like a a, a single or whatever um, but I do love that song, and I, and we had a guest vocalist come on there. Her name's Caitlin Rose, and she came on and, and sang kind of duet with me on that song. And it's just a really great song, and I really like it, and I'd like to hear it right now. It's the, is the song in question is Things I Can't Do, is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Things okay. I Can't Do, yes. Things I Can't Do. Now, I, I will say before we hear it, uh, the, the chorus mentions that there are things that the, the singer can't do without you. And that immediately made me think of the Eminem song "Without Me." Is there any relationship? This is actually uh, this is actually the follow up to that song. Eminem and I talked uh, prior to me writing this, and he's like, "You know, I think that's a really great idea. I'd love a follow up song to my my song without me." All right. Well, uh, this is the sequel to Eminem's hit song "Without Me." Things I can't do by Spencer Burton from his uh, beautiful new album, uh, Coyote. Spencer, thank you so much for this time. I wish you the best of luck in the future, and I hope we speak soon. I hope so too, Vish. Thanks for having me. Drink coffee black, smoke cigarettes, work hard till I sweat. These are the things that I can't do without you. Write a song. Guitar, fill my mind up and my heart. These are the things that I can't do without you. Oh, without you, nothing changes. No more steps, no more stages.
question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for fifty dollars off bluenile.com code listen I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks again to Spencer Burden, and thanks to you for listening to, to me and Spencer Burden as he appeared on this, the 619th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. You can also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the show. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I will get you one while supplies last. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca also want to thank live at masseyhall.com where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by artists from all around the world also want to thank Pizza Trocadero the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph 
and Granddad Stones and Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the podcast. You can learn more about Jim and all of his work at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with Spencer Burton. I hope you enjoyed it. And we'll check out his beautiful new album, Coyote. And I also hope you'll uh, contemplate subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends all about it. And maybe they'll do all of those things as well. Listen to it, subscribe to it, talk to their friends about it. It's like a, a virus or something. Anyway, whatever you can do to spread the word and not a virus would be helpful. So thank you very much. I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. For now. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.